at 8.15. It looks like the US denuclearization deadlock with North Korea put Chinese President Xi Jinping off going to the North for the country's founding day ceremony this weekend. 70 years being celebrated. And um, China's still taking this seriously with Xi apparently sending his right-hand man, Le Shanshu third-ranking official in the Communist Party's Politburo. Well, Beijing has had a sometimes close but generally complex relationship with Pyongyang, especially where that fits into North Korea's idea of self-reliance, but at the same time drawing heavily on the ideology, at least initially, of um, not only what was happening in China 70 years ago, but also, of course, the Soviet Union. And we can Bring in James Aredi, China correspondent for the Wall Street Journal, who has a special interest in this alliance between China and North Korea's first-generation leaders. Thank you for speaking with us. Uh, Hello. Good morning, and thank you for having me. So already this year, we've seen Chinese President Xi Jinping not go to North Korea, but actually meet with North Korea's chairman Kim Jong-un on three occasions on Chinese soil. And... um, In the first meeting, Xi Jinping recalled how their forefathers shaped a deep revolutionary friendship. In the case of Kim Jong-un, we are literally talking about forefathers. Can you tell us more about where the the friendship begins? So we looked at um, one of the relationships uh, that was at the heart of this deep uh, revolutionary um, camaraderie. And it was a a commander in the uh, Northeast Asia uh, Zhou Baozhong, uh, who in the 1930s um, befriended Kim Il-sung. They were fighting against the same enemy, against the, the Japanese. Um, and they are each celebrated, as you know, Mr. Kim, for his uh, wartime heroism. And probably lesser known is uh, Zhou Baozhong, who is uh, a, a hero in China from the Chinese side. Um, and historians will debate about the the extent of each of their uh, uh, importance in, in overthrowing the Japanese uh, from that part of the world. But uh, these two forged a relationship, and that relationship has sustained until the present day with um, the, into a third generation, um, and it's involved political ties, it's involved business ties. Let's address a little bit further this Zhou family and the way in which the Kim family uh, with the Zhou family have maintained close ties. How did you actually learn about their their relationship? Uh, Well, when we started to look earlier this year at some of the Chinese companies that were involved in um, in various aspects of supporting the, the Kim regime, supporting business in North Korea, we found lots of names that basically you hadn't heard of, little companies. We found smugglers. We found companies that were uh, doing investment. There were some lists of of joint ventures over the years. And uh, so we went and we basically tracked down as many of those joint ventures as we could. could. And at one point, we came to one that was owned by this family. Um, And this is the daughter of Joe Baojong, of of the commander. This woman is now 76 years old. Uh, her name is Jo Wei, and she had uh, formed a business, and that business ended up in the mining um, business in North Korea, and it looks like many other things. Uh, and it's a, she's been celebrated many, many times going to North Korea because she 
essentially grew up with um, with uh, the Kim family. We were able to find a photograph from 1948 where uh, Joe Wei, then around uh, six years old, was standing with Kim Jong-il, who was around seven. They're standing holding hands. He's got a little, um, it looks like a little officer's hat on. She has a page boy haircut. And they're standing with their parents, um, the founder of North Korea and this commander. And it, it, they had this lifelong relationship. And this Joe Wei uh, ended up being in North Korea many times, probably annually, her entire, practically her entire life. Um, and, uh, and she, you know, she had this deep relationship. And uh, she is increased, she's identified in the present day as being a, an anti-Japanese revolutionary family. And these people are often going from China to North Korea. In fact, there's a week, this week, there's been an announcement um, by KCNA that another group of these people from China has shown up in North Korea. This group is the kind of thing that Joe Wei or her family members would be part of. Uh, they're not named in the, in the latest reports. It is um, interesting when we assess the history of the relationship between North Korea and China. It's actually another Joe, Joe and Lai, who first used the phrase of lips and teeth back uh, in 1950 to justify uh, the importance of taking military action at the start of the Korean War, um, suggesting that if the North Korean lip was gone, then China's teeth would feel cold. So it it kind of puts that angle on the relationship as being more about uh, using North Korea as a a buffer rather than this really close relationship. How does your research... Uh, and your discovery of this story of a genuine friendship, of a genuine bond, changed that idea. Does it, or does it just make this a more complex picture? Um, well, it, it, it certainly that is in the back of our mind when we when we started to look at the relationship, the lips and teeth. Um, and of course, if you start to peel away the North Korea-China relationship, and I look mostly on the business side, it's been hot and cold. Uh, um, And uh, especially under Kim Jong-un. It seems that uh, when Kim Jong-il's final years, he started to to welcome the Chinese, and at least the Chinese were starting to get more um, assertive internationally. There was a demand for minerals. There was a demand for doing something about the, the poor northeastern part of China. Uh, and they looked at North Korea with just a, you know, there was just a lot of opportunity. And there was a, a big green light from Beijing for Chinese companies to go and try to do some business there. And, um, and uh, Kim was, it seems, fairly receptive to this uh, up uh, until uh, his death in, in 2011. Um, Kim Jong-un takes over and things went into a really deep freeze. Now, many of the Chinese companies had already had a lot of trouble, but uh, it, was, uh, it was quite bad uh, after Kim Jong-un came into power. And it even affected this Joe family's business. They were, at the time, expanding into all sorts of things. They, were, they had some sand dredging from the Yalu River. Um, they had some various uh, other business opportunities that seemed to go away then. Um, and we, in, in many ways, lose the business 
uh, details about how the business relationship is working around then. And then, of course, you have the heavy-duty sanctions of the past year or so from China. I mean, there's no doubt about it that China has been enforcing fairly serious sanctions against North Korea. And so this is a, you know, it it, it has not been a really warm business relationship. Uh, But, of course, our findings would also suggest that if there were a warming in the business relationship, and it seems that maybe there is a bit of a thaw, uh, these Chinese companies could go in, go back in and, and be quite important again. Yeah, and, and certainly this year we've heard more and more reports, but actually uh, pointing increasingly in Russia's direction, or at least the, mm, the Russian business world direction. Is this, again, I come back to this word complex, it's, it's not easy to simplify these things, but is this um, overshadowing what's also happening with this Zhou family and, and any Chinese companies that are, are eager to do business with North Korea? You know, I think then you have to throw into the mix uh, uh, the United States. I, um, it doesn't seem as if, you know, there's any real U.S. companies, you know, uh, making announcements about being there. But the murmur seems to be that if the political relationship can be, you know, if, if China, if uh, North Korea can be brought into the fold in some way, that there is just business for everybody. And it will become a scramble, uh, the Chinese, the Russians, uh, the Americans, of course, the South Koreans, um, maybe the, even the Japanese, uh, there's, there would seem to be ample opportunity for business. Um, and, but, but Chinese probably have the deeper roots in the small businesses of the kind that we looked at, of these kind of personal relationships. I mean, if you're in Dandong, if you're along the border with North Korea, You'll see these personal relationships just on the other side of the restaurant. You'll see North Koreans having dinner. Unfortunately, we've lost the line there with James already, but I was going to have to jump in shortly anyway to, uh, to, to say farewell, sadly, because the conversation is a fascinating one. You can catch up with James already's writing online. He is the China correspondent for the Wall Street Journal and has gone into great detail on the Zhao family's relationship with North Korea. One thing I did want to ponder was how improving inter-Korean ties could influence that. So you've got the long-standing relationship with China and Chinese entities, but a much longer-standing blood tie with, with South Korea. And, and as we've seen with family reunions, still those blood ties are, are intact in, in many cases. Would that make a difference if Seoul and Pyongyang were to get closer with that undermined Beijing ties?